0: Welcome to episode 19 of an axe throwing podcast. I'm your host Bill Feinberg and today my guest is Mark Tishko. Um, Mark, thanks for being here.
1: Thanks Bill, I appreciate you having me. I'm really excited to talk with you.
0: Cool, uh, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, So just for those that don't know, uh, uh, Mark's had a pretty good year of axe throwing so far. Uh, I think it took a bunch of hatchet first. Uh, so like, uh, axes and O's hatchet first, us open hatchet first, throw Ohio hatchet first, rust belt hatchet first. And, uh, at us open or, um, or axes and O also took uh second in big X. So it's been a real good year uh, Mar- uh, for you, Mark. Uh, you kind yes, of exploded. Yes,
1: this, <laughs> yeah. This has been kind of what I would call my breakout year a little bit. I would have to say, and it's been very surreal. It's been exciting. It's been fun. Um, I get to have been traveling all over the, uh, the U.S. and uh, even for some IATF, uh in Canada with Toronto for the ITC. So uh, it's been a really fun year, and um, I'm hoping forward to the second half of it also being just as fun.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's right. We actually so I like I like shook your hand at uh, at Stockyards on like I think Saturday morning when we were waiting to get in the venue. Uh, yes, for uh, for correct. day that's one. When we first met. And uh obviously like, you know, don't get to talk too much, especially like, you know, there's like so many people there. Um, then I got to talk to you a little bit at uh through Ohio this year, but so it's kind of cool to like actually get to know a little bit more. Um so this, we have a ton of axe throwing to talk about. But I guess before we get into the axe throwing, I guess let's hear about like your kind of life before axe throwing, your life outside of axe throwing.
1: So sure. So uh, I'm I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's my hometown. I've been here pretty much my whole life for the most part, other than when I left for college, I, I left and went to Erie PA um, for college. So I went to Gannon university. Um, I studied accounting up there and then I got my uh, MBA for, uh, for business. Um, I did that, uh, a five-year MBA program they had up there with the association with my accounting. So I could get uh um, during my senior year, I guess you'd call it, I started taking graduate courses. And then that gets me, it cancels out for your undergrad and then graduate. So it was a great program for me to be able to do that all within five years. Um, so from there, then I went into uh, the finance field. Um, I worked for a company here, uh, Highmark in Pittsburgh. Um, I started in their finance department as a financial analyst. Um, I actually started that as an intern um, when I was a junior. Um, my junior year um, and they liked me so much. They let me stay on and work out of their Erie office while I was a senior. So it, uh, it was a very fortunate thing. So I wasn't kind of like that poor college student. I had a fairly good uh, internship kind of, I guess I'd call it a consultant kind of role. Um, and then they hired me on after that as a financial analyst. So I did a lot of budgeting and financial analysis and reporting and variance analysis and stuff like that. And so um, I did that for a while. And then there was an opportunity in our um, corporate real estate uh, department um, at Highmark where they needed some assistance with project management. And I also um, studied uh, project management professional, so I got my PMP certification. So uh, with me having that, they saw there could have been a good opportunity for me. Asked me to apply, so I applied and um, became project manager um, in our real estate department. So I lead a lot of our. Um, construction throughout our buildings and stuff like that and uh, renovations um, in our office buildings. So I manage the budgets, schedules, um, trades and all that stuff. So that's kind of what I do for a living um, outside of axe throwing.
0: Okay, cool. I, uh, I, I also have an uh, I have an accounting degree, but it's just an associate. <laughs> um, okay. But I, uh, so if so, we could talk. Uh, if you want to talk EBITDA, uh, I know what that means. <laughs>
1: we, could. We, could, we could talk EBITDA, net income statements, and cash flows and balance sheets. So we could really nerd it up.
0: <laughs> do you? Uh, do, do you ever get to bust out your Excel skills and contribute to the Council of Orions? <laughs>
1: Uh, I've not have done it for the council of Ryan's, but I do have some pretty decent Excel skills I would consider. So I know all those fun V lookups and pivot tables and all those fun, um, Excel, uh, activities that I had to learn to do a lot of the financial analysis when you're pulling data from a lot of different databases and stuff like that and trying to mash them up to do some reporting. So it's some fun stuff.
0: Yep, that's actually how I got into software. Cuz I'm a software engineer now, but I I was like okay. business school. Uh I took too many accounting classes at community college and they're like you can't like uh I went to the Ohio State. I'm not a am not a jerk about the the like it's yeah. <laughs> uh but uh the they're like yeah, if you want our degree, you need to have like x percent of your accounting credits come from us and so I'm like I don't want to do another semester. Uh what yeah. what, what can I transfer and switch to logistics and supply chain and then it's like, what kind of jobs can I get with this? You can manage hourly employees at a distribution center. I'm going to go learn to code.
1: Yeah, I'm going to learn to code, yeah. And that's what I think what's nice about accounting is it's so universal that you can go in many different avenues. You could go into auditing. You can go into financial analysis. You can go into managerial accounting. Um, you can go into taxes if you want to. That was my least favorite of all the subjects, too, because it's more subjective than actually, like, the actual, like – gap and all the other legitimate like accounting things. So but there is things with taxes too. So um but that's why I kinda went into the financial analysis area. I like seeing that. I like to track the money, see where it was going, what was being spent and and reporting on that, how it compared against budget. Cause um even nowadays if you do when I do budgets and stuff, I kinda try to make it like a game. So I'm like, okay, how close can I get my budget to actually what it comes into on projects and and different things like that, or spending, so it kind of makes it a little fun activity.
0: Do you do like budgeting and forecasting for your act stuff? You're like, all right, so the budget for this trip is like, <laughs> uh,
1: I don't forecast completely what the trip is, but I do track what I spend on the trips and stuff like that because um, this year with me winning and stuff like that, I'm I turn myself into a small business. So that I can actually like – and especially with Waddle having pro status and stuff like that. So I'm kind of trying to treat myself kind of like a professional like golfer or a bowler or anything like that so that I can write off some of my expenses and training and all that stuff and um, just like any other business could. So I'm trying to take advantage of the tax uh, system as it is written.
0: So when you're like – that's got to be, like, do you do your own taxes or do you have somebody? Because I'm just imagining, like, I've talked to other people about, like, how do you report your, like, your winnings from ax throwing? Like, wait, you does, you got this money from throwing axes? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So I do have a guy. I can do my own, um, but I start getting them a little more complicated with some of my uh, investments and things like that. So I always like to have a second set of eyes of people who can help, uh, like, guide me a little bit. So um, like I said, I I know I know a good bit about taxes and stuff like that, but I would say I'm no complete expert. And so I'd like to try to get the best advantage I can for myself on that. So that's why I have another guy who I work with to do my taxes.
0: When it comes time to like turn in the receipts, are you gonna like submit the big check?
1: Uh probably not. I probably will not submit the big check, but I, I have it all on spreadsheets, tracking it down to everywhere i gain and things like that and most people probably don't realize too each time you cross over state lines there's a different little rules too so um they get kind of they get kind of complex really
0: fast I ran into that when I moved from Texas to Oklahoma because Texas didn't have state income tax and Oklahoma does. And I moved there in like Q3. Uh, and then the whatever accountant that somebody recommended, uh, they weren't the best or they just missed a very important detail. They're like, oh, you put that in box one, which is full year income. You didn't do part year. And so Oklahoma's like, you owe us like four figures of taxes. Like, I, I was just even here that long. Uh, and, then, yeah. and then it's like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, it was just in the wrong box. You're good. I was like, Whew. that was uh, a yeah <laughs> that would have been painful but correct
1: and that's why you that's why it's nice to have a second set of eyes I think even though I know I can do my own it's just better to have that second set of eyes especially when you get some more complication where I still have my normal my normal job than my investments and all those other things that I do so there's just a bunch of moving parts
0: for sure well uh, uh I I have to cut myself off because I will totally nerd out on accounting and business and finance yeah, and all that kind of
1: stuff. <laughs> and I probably could do it with you too. <laughs> so yeah, I understood. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, they're like, I thought this was an ax throwing podcast. This sounds like accounting. <laughs> like what's yeah. the cost of goods sold on that handle? Like, and, uh, all right. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, moving into the ax throwing side, how'd you get started?
1: So how I got started in ax throwing was kind of interesting. So my buddy, he was celebrating his 30th birthday and I've been really good friends with him since high school and, uh, them and their girlfriends and a bunch of our bu- other buddies and stuff were like, Hey, let's go axe throwing. And I was like, okay, day to go out and throw some axes and drink some beer on a weekend. I was like, okay, perfect. So we ended up going to do that. And it was an IATF venue. It was just a new one put here in Pittsburgh, um, lumberjacks. So, um, I continue to throw with lumberjacks, but they were, uh, they were just starting out. And, uh, They were just opening up, and we went down as a group for one of those, like, two-hour sessions and uh, started doing some practice. At first, I just had to – couldn't find my real distance yet, so I was hitting either head or short or whatever. And then then the second I found my distance, it was just, like, it was natural for me. I was sticking bullseye, 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 like, nonstop. And I uh, I ended up playing in our group thing, in our group session. I beat everyone, and it wasn't even, like, close – (laughs) <laughs> it wasn't even close. And it was just, it was just natural. Like i never picked up an ax before in my life. Like I played baseball when I was younger um, and I pitched a little bit and I played first base and things like that. And so I, I had a decent arm, but nothing crazy. I, I kind of quit when I went into high school. And then I went into football. So I've always been af- somewhat athletic. So I've always played sports my whole entire life, but, uh, uh, never thought I would really get an axe. And the guys were like, Hey, you're pretty good. We're getting ready to start some leagues. Would you want to do it? And so, me and my, uh, buddy's brother said, uh, so Joe Rocky, who was his name said, Hey, you want to just join on the Thursday league? Well, something to do on a Thursday night after work, unwind, throw some axes. And so we ended up joining and then I ended up winning that league. And then, um, I played the next league and I ended up winning the next league. And so then they were like, Hey, we're going to start a competitive league, um, down at their other site. Um, so I was up at Mont Lebanon, or going down to their Millville site, and they're like, hey, "We're going to coaches now. We're going to be allowed into it because when they first started, they didn't allow coaches to play." And so they're like, "Okay, we're going to have one with the coaches." And so I was like, "Okay, let's see how I do with better talent." Uh, it was an eye-opening for me, real quick, because uh, I came second to last in that league.
0: So, well, um, and that was IETF league, right? That's an IETF where, league. Yeah. Where, where um, were you going? Uh, was that like? Were people going one hundred percent clutch yet, or like were people still kind of just going for points and averages?
1: Uh, we were starting to really go heavy for clutches at about at that point because um, it had uh, guys like Showtime and I think you also did a podcast with big time big time was in that, mm-hmm. um, so Tim Silver and then uh, Connecticutxican was in that group as well, um, so there was a lot of really heavy hitters that are on the circuit now that were we were just all starting out together a little bit. Um, some of them were a little more ahead of each other and, and things like that. And, and, um, and then, uh, David McIntosh DMAC, was in that group as well. So we were all kind of in that like first wave of like competitive kind of throwing, I would say in the Pittsburgh region, um, at that time. Um, and then we started, I started to play more and more and then eventually I ended up actually like winning that league. And then, um, the competitive league kind of broke apart a little bit, but before it did, we, uh, we made a trip over to, uh, Philly for regionals at Mizzou. So Mizzou had a, a regional tournament. They were hosting one out there in Philly. And then we were all wondering to see, okay, how, how do we all stand up? So about like five of us made that trip out there. Um, Showtime included, um, Connexican, myself, dmac Um, we all made the trip out there and, uh, I finished 12th, I think, in that tournament. I think it was about, I don't know, 50 or 60 players in that tournament. Um, I know uh, Dave, I think, finished ninth, and uh, I think Showtime finished 4th. So it was kind of like an eye-opening experience for us, and I think that's when Showtime kind of put himself on the map out there a little bit for ITCs, and um, I I, I was kind of, like, I think Mike uh, Compass said this before. He was like, you were like the third guy out of Pittsburgh, and I was like, okay, that kind of made sense to me at that time. Um, And so then from that, I kind of went back to the drawing board and said, "Okay, I can play with these guys, but I'm not I've not put in the work yet to play with these guys. So I need to actually like buckle down and actually practice because I was playing on just pure skill up to that point for the most part until I wasn't really doing any practicing at that point.
0: So you were only throwing like at league, like just like the so like you're not like coming into practice. Like, did you have a target in your backyard or anything? No, I had nothing at that time yet,
1: up until that regionals. And I was about a year and a half in. I've been throwing for almost, this is like year four. So I was about a year and a half in. I wasn't doing any practice other than beginning a league and then a little bit after league.
0: Okay. It sounds like you were doing a lot of driving, right? uh, It sounds like driving all over the state of PA.
1: Uh, Occasionally. Most of the time it wasn't because, so like Millville is like 20 minutes from my house. Mount Lebanon is like five. Um, And then so when we did go to Philly, that was my first big actual traveling um, at that time. Now I do a lot more traveling and a lot more driving and flying places and things like that.
0: Okay yeah I, uh, I'm not familiar with like the Pittsburgh suburbs so I, yeah I guess like a lot of those places are just kind of in like the Pittsburgh metro area.
1: Yeah it's all in the Pittsburgh metro area yeah the furthest one away uh, so Lumberjacks has three locations their furthest one away is up in Cranberry and that one's like 30 minutes from my house.
0: Oh that's not bad. Did um no. did, uh, did y'all have anybody like driving far because I, I when i first started uh i think like the, uh i was at urban access austin and there wasn't any IETF in houston I don't, there might not have been anything in houston yet and there were people driving from houston to do leagues in austin um but like you know they'd carpool and make like a you know make a day out of it or whatever but uh
1: yeah i don't i don't think at that time anyone was traveling too too far i think it was all within the pittsburgh area I mean, probably 20, 30 minutes, I would say is probably the most people were traveling at that time. Okay. And it's probably still, probably still.
0: Okay. Uh, Now let's, uh, let's, I'm interested to hear like what axes you were throwing then and kind of what you're throwing now. So like, like what, like what was, and what is like in your axe bag right now?
1: Yes. So in my axe bag now I throw mostly, um, plum carpenter hatchets, the old school one. So um as you probably have heard the story, one's my grandfather. So uh what that happened was when he passed away, um we were over his house starting to clean out the house and he had a big toll chest and everything in there and and in there sat this beautiful plum carpenter hatchet, almost 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 four inches, not quite four inches, but it was a nice, beautiful, the blade was clean, everything like that. Um and all, only thing that was bad was the handle was loose and kind of rotted. So, I went to a local hardware shop, picked up a new handle, about 14 and a half inches, because the old ones, the old plum carpenters, I think were on like 12 inch handles. So, we ended up switching it to 14 and a half, And I was using that to throw, I was even throwing it for IETF for a long time um, with the no bleed or for the majority bleed kind of portions and clutches. So, I was throwing that for a little while. Um, but back when, we, when I first started, I was throwing mostly axe gangs was my um axe of choice at that time i also transitioned for a little bit to the flying foxes but for whatever reason with the way i was throwing sometimes they wouldn't um very well enough and if you had like a little bit of a hard board i would fall so i didn't like that that much so then that's when i went over to the plum carpenter um and then i also have a big axe that's a plum carpenter with a dustin wellman handle uh, i have two of those so i had them build me two two of them one which was the max size which i could throw for both waddle and ietf clutches and i had to make me a small blade one um for bullseyes for just a three inch max coverage
0: okay were you um for uh ietf premiere you, you you were you had, did you have different hatchets for bull and clutch
1: uh, I did. I had to, I do use the same plum. Uh, I use my big plum carpenter hatches. I throw for waddle on clutches. Um, and what's nice is cause you're a little bit closer since that I can hit it flat, mm-hmm. which helps with, with the uh, new premier rolls, um, which you kind of have to do. And then, um, I have a smaller like three inch plum carpenter that I throw for bullseyes.
0: Okay.
1: On, on just stock handles on just simple stock handles. The only custom handles I have are my Dustin Wallman big axes.
0: I know the, uh, the IETF just announced one, like, uh, like a rule update about like modifications. And then they, I think they posted a clarification. I actually haven't read it yet. Cause I don't throw IETF. So it's like, I'm like, okay, I, I'm curious about it, but it's not like, it's not like I don't need to know that right now. Um, but, uh, uh, whereas like, I guess after the initial announcement where any of your acts is like, uh, at risk of like kind of being disqualified in IETF or are you, uh, or are you not worried about it?
1: Uh, I'm not too worried about it. I haven't done too much or any modifications to them really. I mean, they all still look exactly like normal axes. They don't have any like curves or bends into them or anything like that, which is some of the examples they use that would be, um, prohibitive. So I'm not too worried about it. So,
0: okay. I kind of just kind of go with it as is, um, Cool. And so, so you talked about what's in your ax bag. So where, um, I guess like uh, where, and when are you throwing these days? Like, cause obviously you still throw ITF and waddle. You do both, right? Yeah, um, so like, do both. How, how many, like how many leagues would you say like you do a week uh, or like, you know, how many marathons, like, you know, uh, or like, I know some people that are like, I'm only doing marathons right now, you know? Uh,
1: so I only do two leagues Um, for sometimes I throw in three, but uh, not too often. It's usually two. I do Tuesday. I do a, a waddle league now, down in Mountain Men in West Virginia. That's that's me traveling a good bit. That's a that's an hour and fifteen minutes both ways from my house. So I do travel down there there, and um, that's kind of how I got into waddle was with those guys. So um, I could share that story real quickly with you. So during COVID, um, I was uh, the state of Pennsylvania shut down. I don't know if you're familiar with that. They shut down twice during COVID. Um, they did first, which which also impacted lumberjacks, so they weren't open. So during the summer, that's when I built my first home target. And so I had a home target during the whole summer that I was throwing primarily just ITF practice and all that stuff um, during the summer. And then when winter came around, it was right about Halloween time, so October. So in Pittsburgh, it gets really rainy and cold and all that stuff around that time all the way to the new year. So they were trying to keep the, the spread down. Um so they closed the second time. And I told my I told my dad and myself and I was like, Hey, I can't go that long without throwing and I'm not gonna throw outside in the snow and cold. So it wasn't gonna really work here up here in the north. Um, so I said, Okay, what we're gonna do is I'm gonna um, see which one's closer, Pennsylvania or, or or I was gonna say Ohio, closer for Pennsylvania, Ohio or West Virginia. And so then that's when I decided uh, that Mountain Men was the closest. So I was going I was traveling once a week down there during COVID to practice, um, put in like an, yeah, just an hour, hour and a half practice time in there. And when I first arrived down there, I was just going to do ITF strictly and practice it. Um, and then that's when I met Tyler Lockie, um, who was down there at the time or who's still down there. And he's like, Hey, you want to throw a waddle match with me? And I started throwing a waddle match with him, Um, and I kept it really close. We were tight the whole time. Um, He's like, hey, on, on Tuesdays, we have a competitive um, waddle league, and I think you'll be pretty good at it. And I was like, okay, let's let's see what I can do. So I was like, that's when I joined their Tuesday waddle league. And I started competing, and I, I wasn't – I mean, at first I wasn't at the top of the list or anything like that. But then I started to progress better and better, and then, um, then even Mike Philibon showed up um, in that league as well. Uh, which made it even better for me to actually like improve myself with competition wise with Mike being there. So that's when um, I think my game really started stepping up was competing against Mike on a weekly basis. Um, And so that's kind of how I got into the whole waddle scene. And then that's my kind of Tuesday league. And then going on Thursday, I throw into a premier league at lumberjacks um, and I throw with guys like Showtime and Tim and some of those other guys um, on Tuesday, on Thursday for IATF to qualify for IATCs and all those kind of things. Um, and then those are the, those are my two primary leagues. And then I'll sporadically on occasion, pick a marathon league or something to help out with like, uh, there's a new local venue up in, uh, by our region in new Kensington called Los Hachos, which is a waddle affiliated one. Um, and those guys have been pretty cool and stuff like that. So that's, it's only like 25 minutes to 35 minutes away or so. So, um, I kind of throw sometimes with them with marathon leagues and stuff like that. Um, on occasion.
0: Okay. When you, uh, when you first started, th- well, actually let me back up. So you said you were driving down to West Virginia just to practice. It wasn't even for a league. You're like, just I, pro- ju- like I just want to go throw some axes. Yes.
1: Yeah. I just wanted to throw. Cause like, like I said, when I got out of that whole regional thing, I said, uh, I'm going to buckle down and I want to try to see how good can I get in the sport and how well can I do? um, and uh, that was kind of my whole mindset that uh, I'm going to put in the time and the effort. Like once I made my mind up to it, I was like, OK, I'm going to go down there and practice. I'm going to do what I need to do to try to get better and and compete at the the highest level, I kind of say, in the sport. And then that's how I felt. And then that's kind of how I fell into Waddle. And I actually was very natural to it. Like to me, it was a very easy transition for the most part. A little unnatural because I was still throwing my and trying to figure out how to hit kill shots and stuff like that but after like bullseyes wasn't too bad it was um, me getting used to kill shots but once i started figuring them a little bit out then it kind of fell into place
0: how uh how has your throw kind of evolved like you know starting an itf and transitioning to waddle but still but still doing both right because in in waddle you know it's beneficial to hit flat for maximum coverage but in itf especially premiered uh on the bull it's better to tow it in right and i know some like I, I obviously like at like the highest levels you're like all right you know there's people like i can you know i can no bleed a butcher flat you know like it, it can it can be done um yes. but uh did Cause I, I've like, tried to experiment with like, all right, well maybe, maybe I should try and switch up my throw or like, you know, have like a different throw for waddle, different throw for ITF. Uh, it, so far uh, hasn't been working for me, <laughs> but I don't know if you went through anything similar. So for me,
1: I would say I tried to keep it very much the same. So my core philosophy when it comes to throwing is, uh, I try to minimize as much movement as I can. So I'm one of those guys that I'll, I'll, I'll aim, I'll bring it back. I'll stop. I'll pause and then I'll go and then I'll try to just keep my movements as slow as possible. So from an IATF or yeah, from an IATF perspective, I do pretty much the same thing, except I'll do my step. I'll let my front foot land and then I'll try to finish forward Um, with the whole premiere with no bleeds and stuff like that. The real big adjustment for me in that most part is just where am I starting upper back? Um, So I go a little bit further back for bullseyes. So that I can just tip it into the bullseye. Okay. Um, to try to, to avoid, try to avoid that bleed. And then when it comes to the clutch, I will be a little bit further up, so I can try to hit flat to get it to cover over that square. That makes sense. And then, yeah. And then from a waddle perspective, my throw is pretty much identically the same, except for I just don't step. The only slight difference in for waddle though is I have to fully extend my arm. Versus I partially stop in IATF. So I have kind of like a bent elbow in IATF a little bit. And then in Waddle, I got a full extended arm because of that extra 12 feet of distance. Because typically when I stop stepping, I was always at like about 10 or 10 and a half feet away for IATF most of the time. So I don't need to do the full extension because then I don't need to hit as flat on the bullseyes. Did
0: you ever try to do the step throw in Waddle? I've done that like a little bit and like, obviously it's, it's like, all right, that was fun, but this, that's not a long-term recipe for success.
1: Um, I think I tried it like really early on to just try to do it to like hit the dot and stuff like that when I was still kind of practicing IATF and I was like, there's, it's too much movement with such a little target. It made it kind of hard to be as, as accurate as you needed to be, even though you're, i'm sitting there and hitting in the five ring like but still it's it was hard to be accurate i thought with one with once they converted to that one and a half because i never experienced the waddle big eyes at the three and a half so
0: yeah yeah same uh that is like i felt like the step throw like i felt like it had like a like a higher floor like like you said you're like all right cool i feel like i'm hitting more fives but i'm hitting less sixes and you're like well yes you gotta hit them sixes correct you gotta hit those sixes in the water, yes um. So uh, I I got to see you throw at throw Ohio a couple of weeks ago. What's today's date? Today's uh, the the tenth of September. Um. And so it was cool to like actually you know get to like watch you throw because uh, I was eliminated. and I had time. You know, like I just got to switch to being completely spectating. Um. But I, I got to see what you're talking about. Where like uh like it almost looked like you were like reaching to the kills on your kill shots. Yes
1: yeah that that's kind of my little technique that i try to do for me from my perspective is i try to um like i said limit the movement so i try to stop everything let my axe stop and then i try to reach everything to it because my philosophy is i kind of want to put the tip of because i still kind of have a little bit of a 45 degree angle from a waddle perspective like kind of how i learned from my old days ITF when we had to throw on the old pine boards oh yeah so i've never outgrown that kind of technique so my theory into water was i know a lot of other competitors like to hit flat well mine is i want to just put the tip in the dead center of that circle and uh it doesn't matter
0: if i do as long as i do that well, i'd say the uh, the results are speaking for themselves uh yeah um so one of the things that i thought was like so cool is like cuz like like your uh, your dad comes to your your tournaments, right? Like like I think that's all, he's like is he would you is he like a coach? Is that like the best way to describe him?
1: Yeah, I mean, at, at first he was a spectator, and then he really got into loving watching my throw and what, and then even like meeting the people in the community. And um, he just recently retired, so um, I, he kind of got he kind of got jumped right into it with me. He knew outside excited I was for it and everything like that, so he wanted to help me out in any way. So he watches my throw. I, I we always joke, we call him coach dad. So he's kind of <laughs> like my coach. He's like the person in my corner all the time. Um, I kind of feel like I'm sometimes like a boxer and I have my kind of rings, ringside, uh, uh, help there and my coach and, and kind of gives me that guidance. So, um, it's, it's, um, it's definitely been awesome to have and it's been fun and, it was really cool with the U S open and I was able to embrace that moment with him when I won that championship and everything like that. So, um, it was really special and it's something I'll never forget. So, um, so yeah, I, I do like having them there and it's, it's, it's been, it's been fun. Can,
0: can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Cause like, I didn't get to see the broadcast cause I don't have cable or ESPN. I think I was traveling. I don't, but I didn't, I didn't get to see. I heard about it, but like, and I imagine there might be other people that like, you know, maybe they, they haven't even heard about it. So I guess for like, people that like that don't know what you're talking about. Can you shed a little more light on that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So sure. sure. So at the end of all the finals of all the different disciplines at the U S open championship for, uh, um, waddle, the, the, the big show in, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, all the, most of the other throwers had their, either their significant others or girlfriends, um, embrace them. Um, they had their, uh, or their wives. So I know when Lucas won his knives, his, his wife, uh, came up with him. And then I know Ben won big acts, uh, his girlfriend, um, embraced him. And right now I'm, I'm, I'm single, so I don't really have anyone right now. So, um, my dad was the one who I embraced. <laughs> to him, and that is finals, so, uh, which was made it a special moment, everything like that. And even, um, it was even kind of cool at the end, uh, Jesse from, from throw said, he said, I didn't even take a picture of your last throw. It was, I had, my camera on your dad's face to see his reaction
0: that's so awesome that,
1: that was super cool and then i think jesse's definitely posted that photo and you could see the uh the emotion in my dad's face and it was uh it was a super cool moment that uh, he captured right
0: there that's awesome that is a fantastic story um I guess this is, it'd be. I guess this seems like a good time to kind of transition into some of the competition. Like, what are some of like the kind of like notable moments like that? Like, you know, stand out in your brain from you know your competition history, right? Like, you know, so like that. Like, obviously, that one's amazing. Like, are there any specific like matches uh, that like come to mind? Um,
1: there are a few that really do stand out in my head. Um, I would say there's probably like three or four of them. Um, that really um resonate a lot with me. So. Um, majority of them are in actually waddle though, I will say. So, um, my first one is the first time I ever played Lucas Johnson and it was at throw Ohio last year. Um, and I was like, I was just kind of coming on onto the waddle scene and I was just, I was, I was slowly working my way up the ranks, I guess I'll call it. And, um, I was, I was slightly competitive, but I wasn't, I wasn't really dominating or winning anything yet at that point. And, um, Lucas and I are playing uh, in the B finals, I believe it is, of our bracket um, for that that particular um, bracket. I think it was like B finals or something like that. And uh, first match, he throws a, I believe it was a sixty-two on me, and I threw, I believe, it was a sixty-one. And then we come back. The next one, I drop a sixty-four on him, and he throws a sixty-three. And then he returns the favor to me <laughs> in the third round, and he drops the 64 to my 63. So that was a that was a fun, exciting match um, that always stood out to me. Um, my second big memory one is with um, Mike Philibon at the Axes and O's Capital City Classic in the A-Finals, because I've never actually beat Mike at all in any major tournament at that point and cuz we know how good Mike really is and um he's an amazing thrower and so uh, i've been occasionally a couple times in league but never in major tournament um style and that was the first time i actually got him in that one um he was just a little bit off with a couple kill shots and i was able to take advantage of it uh, um so that match was really special to me cuz especially at the end of that like with him throwing league with me and everything like that we got to become really close and pretty good friends and so um we really got to embrace on that one um, so that was really exciting
0: what's your so like um do you kind of have like a mental like record of the people that you have and haven't played and you're like i've never beat this person when it mattered um Or is there, or is there really not that many people that fall into that category for you at this point <laughs>
1: Um there was some that I that I had up to that point like um all of last year I never beat Lucas until this current year. So that was kind of my first time beating Lucas. Uh, Mike was on that list too. Um I never got a chance to face Ryan Smith until the US Open, but I always wanted to play him. Um so that's when I uh got a chance to do with Ryan. Um So I I always kind of had that match uh I like to. I played with them in like practice games and stuff like that at these tournaments, but never, never for real um, until the the US Open. And I was fortunate enough to beat him in our first match. So, um, do you,
0: do you still get like nervous or is, like because it sounds like you get excited? You're like, oh, I hope I I hope I run into X, you know, uh, like in the bracket. But do you like it, do you still get nervous or are you like, no, like bring it on, let's do it.
1: So I I only. I do get a little bit nervous. Like I, I can tell you for sure. Like in the like, the finals of like Axes and O's for my first title of 2022 for the first one, when I was playing Ian Melpass uh, for it all, and I, I came out of the A bracket. I was super nervous in that uh, that whole match because I was like, okay, there's an opportunity for me to finally do this. Like I was getting closer. I've been getting closer and closer, and then this is here's the opportunity. And then I got like kind of nervous there um lately i've been getting a lot better at at, because i've been having those moments and experiences now Um, as i get closer into those type of games i've been doing a lot better at controlling my emotions um i'd say the, the next time i got really emotional was that final kill shot in that u.s open game against uh lucas when uh if i hit it i win the entire tournament so i could definitely tell you i was a little nervous on that one i took a a good step back and breather on that one. You probably if you actually see the ESPN broadcast, you probably can see that. So um that was probably one of the times I got really nervous. And then um but most of the time my mindset that I try to go into it is it's it's really me and the board. Like my opponent's there though and um I respect them for the most part, especially any of the elite throwers that I've had the pleasure to throw with. But I always try to say, okay, it's me and the board. If I if I beat the board then I, I, I have a good shot to win that match.
0: That makes sense. So like, um, so like, is there anything that like you, like when you talk about like controlling your emotions, like do you, how do you do that? Like, do you have a process for that?
1: So the, the two techniques that I use most of the time is I'll, I'll step back from the line. I'll take a big, deep breath and then I'll let it out and then I'll do like two or three of those. Um, the other one is if my like heart's starting to race or getting excited, I'll tap my chest. I'll just tap my chest a little bit to to kind of calm it down just to settle my nerves there a little bit. Um, So those are kind of like my two techniques I'll use to kind of calm me down for the most part um, in some of those bigger situations.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, that's uh, – I feel like once I'm in my head, I can't get out of it. And I'm I'm just looking for more things to try to see if I can figure out something to help me get out of my head when, like, the pressure's on.
1: So – the one thing I try to do is when I get out of my head, like say for example, I made a bad throw. I try what I try to do is I say, okay, that throw is gone. That that that's in the past. I can't control anything with that anymore. It, it, it I I can't do anything about it. Like so, my mentality is I can only can control what I can control in front of me now. So my next thing is let's get back to the basics. I kn- I know how to throw. I, I I've thrown enough faxes and practice enough that I know how to get back and I, I want to go back to my routine and my back to my foundation. I kind of call it, that's, that's the one thing I try to do to keep me out of my head.
0: Okay, cool. Um, as, now as far as like your, your practice goes, like when you, when you do practice, do you have like kind of like a system for your practicing or like a routine? Like, do you, will you go practice and just throw nonstop for like hours? Right. Cause I, I think I've heard like Philip would practice for four hours a day. Right. But then I've heard some people like, Oh, I just, you know, just do one match every 30 minutes, like just to kind of simulate like a cold start, like a tournament or does it just kind of depend on how you're feeling on the day?
1: Um, So I, I do do a few different techniques, but my most common one is I always, um, so it's kind of a little different. So, okay. So since I practice a lot up here um, in Pittsburgh and I'm not really at like close waddle facilities, I usually just draw the dot uh, kill shots and bullseyes on the board. And what I do is I actually modify them just a little bit. Where I put um, I put lines down the middle, so I make kind of like a crosshair, like a scope. Okay. And then okay. I take a bingo dauber and I'll put that in the middle of each one of those dots with my crosshairs. And my goal is to always hit the 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 bingo dauber to cut that in in half because I'll because it's half the size of our normal bullseyes and kill shots. So I use that as a practice technique. So my goal is always to, it's it's a good throw when I hit the it's I consider it a good throw or a a, a solid throw if I hit the green. If I split the crosshairs, that's a that's an exceptional throw. That's a great throw. That's what I wanna I want to do that every time. But I know I don't do it every time. And then if I'm outside the green, that means okay, we have to. What did you do with your hand or something? We need to make a slight adjustment. So I so I'm reading every single throw that I make. So I'm trying to be um cautious of every throw that i make there um so that's kind of one of my practice techniques and then the other part of that practice techniques is too is i always simulate a back half of the game so what i do is i'll do three bullseyes and then i'll go kill kill and then i'll repeat it over and over again for most of my practice now if i miss the kill or something that's when I'll take another throw at it, just to refine what I messed up to um, zone me back in. Okay, that makes sense. Or if I miss a bullseye, I might do the same thing.
0: That makes sense. Have um, I, uh, have you ever done or have you ever like filmed any of your your practice and like kind of like watched the video on it, or have you never done that?
1: I, I've done a little bit of it. I'm not. I, I'm I'm usually not too too much into the videoing but i i have watched my videos i have tried to break down some of my things of like my arm coming across my body instead of staying straight or something like that or me reaching out um that's usually the things i pick up in videos and since i've thrown so many axes at this time i know my my tes- uh my head uh tendencies of what i would throw when i'm kind of mess those up Gotcha. I can, I can read the axe on how it hits in, in the moment now, for the most part. So I kind of know what what those were from even if I would watch the videos. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I, I think I hear what you're saying. Um, one of the one of the questions I think I'd uh, be really interested to get your perspective on is, um, right, just like it's like a four, the differences between Waddle and ITF, right? So like uh, you know Waddle tiebreaker, who sucks less, right? And yep. you know, uh, basically whoever you know, if you both hit, you keep going. Uh, but it, you know, it's like. It, I feel like in terms of like, uh, forecasting time, like a waddle matches are more predictable in terms of time, especially back when ITF had like the, the big acts, like three, uh, three paint then points. Um, yes. like they'd take, I feel like those matches would take forever, especially since like you had to, like you had to win. Like, it's not like who sucks less, like who had the better throw. Um, do you feel like, I, I feel like IETF kind of like primed for like higher pressures or I, I this was my perspective where cause like you have to watch like in big acts, like, like if your opponent throws first and just smokes a bullseye, like you have to watch them. Like you can't tune that out. I yeah. mean, I guess like you can, you're like, I just, <laughs> I don't, I just assume they threw a bull, but um, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I do like the concept of the, Big X being slightly like a different for ITF, like as the tiebreaker. But again, the thing about it is, it's your, it's it's a different, it's a different element that you're throwing now. It's a different technique. So there's a there's a whole big um, different like technique and everything that comes into that from an ITF perspective. Versus, whereas in wattle, it's okay. We're throwing hatchet. It's hatchet discipline. So we have to break the tiebreaker with a hatchet. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of like that a little bit because it's kind of more conducive to what I'm throwing at that moment and doing that thing because I've, I've had enough experiences sometimes in IATF, um this year and in the past where I'll blow a big axe throw, even though I scored a 27 or something with my hatchet, um, even in Premier, and um, my big axe is one that let me down. Like um, I know there was a match I had at uh, the Baltimore Open with Vin, and me and him both, um, I think I threw out of the five rounds, I think I threw, uh, three 27s with my big, uh, with my hatchet. And he threw, uh, he threw two, um, and between all those games, plus we still were really good on the other two, Matt, uh the other two rounds. Um, he hit two big axe clutches to win and I hit one in that whole thing, but he had two to take me down. So to me, I'm like, okay, now he got me with big axe. So, um, I can't complain. Well, I mean, it was a great match and everything like that. But it's um, it's a it's definitely a different throw, which makes it kind of um, I don't know. It, it just makes it uh, just a different kind of experience when you're going big axe versus hatchet, which is what that true discipline in, especially when you're hatchet five times or in Waddle's case, ten times
0: before that. For sure, I think one of my favorite things when I started throwing Waddle was just the one practice before every match or at least the option to do so right yes like especially like you know when you get cold in ITF, you're like oh, i haven't thrown in two hours like cool
1: yeah and that's where the th- and that's where and especially with premier rules that's where an easy three is able to be slipped
0: i i had that happen at uh at stockyards i think i i think i won my first two matches and then didn't get to throw for two hours uh and then like it took me like three throws to kind of like, like get back into the bowl. So I just basically just mulliganed around. I'm like, all right, well, then I'm starting out. Oh, and one. Yeah.
1: that That's kind of like in like league play or something like that. Usually mm-hmm. when I throw the most of my threes, it's either that or it's on the transition to the new board. And it's that first throw that's like typically right where they come
0: yeah I've had that in waddle where it's like all right, I just threw five bullseyes in a row. oh, maybe today's the day I get that sixty four and then it's like all right, throw six change boards four cool yeah.
1: yeah six six and eight are to me are the two the two that cause me the most grief when it comes to those
0: do you um do you remember like your first like milestone like you know like your first first eighty one or your first like sixty four like, uh, like like do you remember those stories or are they just like Oh, oh, I did that today. That's cool.
1: Um, Yeah, so 81 was one of the competitive leagues for um, ITF. Um, So I do slightly remember that. Um, I think at that point, a couple of the guys already had theirs um, at that time. And so then I kind of got mine because I know I think Dave had his and Showtime had his. Um, And then I think I just joined the club right after that. Um, so we were just, uh, that was about that. Like I said, that year ago or so, I think it was like, I was a year in before I hit that first one. Um, waddles, uh, 64. I think my first one was that one that I mentioned to you in the story earlier with Lucas Johnson in competition.
0: Like it came when you needed it most. <laughs> it came when I needed it most. Yes. I'm,
1: I'm almost certain that that was my first 64, um, was in there and I just needed it and I wasn't even trying for it. I just was throwing to hit every target I could against Lucas. So um, I believe that was my first 64. Um, the next milestone, one that I really remember, though, is um, my 64 in duels. So I don't really throw a ton of duels. Um, I throw a little bit of duels um, just for fun. Um, but uh, Michael Theodoro and I partnered up for Titan Town because uh, Colby couldn't make it. And we made it into the uh, finals against uh, Zeus and Josh Russo. And so we're playing the game and they take round one. I think they beat us by like one point or something like that. Um, and we get into round two and in round two, um, Mike and I throw a 64 in competition for duels. And so that one was really memorable to me because I don't think there's too many 64s and duels out there. And especially for the guy who doesn't throw too much duels, the opportunities aren't really there. So uh, that was my other kind of milestone that I remember uh that happened this year too. So
0: that's awesome. I just did uh Throw Ohio was my first time throwing waddle duels. Uh, actually and IETC this year is my first time throwing uh IETF No that's not true. I did do uh like an exhibition doubles uh a few years ago in ITF and just like uh, at Urban Austin. Um it's fun. I I'm like I knew I wasn't gonna be like like I, I maybe it's a mindset problem. Like oh I'm probably not gonna be very competitive but like I just went to go have fun and with like that, but I absolutely had fun. It was a blast. Like, I didn't even have yeah. a, a partner. I just like, uh, ended up partnering with like, uh, Frank Cochran. Just, uh, I hope I got the name right. Um, like, it's like, uh, Tyler Flynn's like, hey, I need <laughs> team names and partners from these people. And it's like, oh, you need a partner? I need a partner. Want to be partners? Sure, let's do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's what's kind of the cool element about duels sometimes is you could just, Throw a group together and they can actually turn out to be a really good team together. Um, uh, I there was a memory I had up when I was up at Rust Belt. I think Tim Valier and um, in. I can't. I would definitely butcher his last name if I try to pronounce it from Canada. Um, they just doled up and partnered up, and um, it was me and Mark Marisol were throwing together, and they ended up like I finished first, Mark finished second, and just normal hatchet. And they ended up actually beating us in uh, duels because they were just they hit their bullseyes and they were hitting their kill shots and everything like that. And it just, um, those, those is, those can be an easy equalizer to some of the uh top talent. If you just get in that right rhythm with the right person.
0: I also found when I was like doing, it, I'm like, Oh, they just cut the bowl in half. Like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm not hitting a normal size bull, I'm hitting half of a bowl.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Um, so I'm like, Oh, maybe it's almost like, throwing more axes on a smaller target makes you better at ax throwing. Who would have thunk? Um, Yep. (laughs) um, Is there, is there anybody that like you're uh, like tired of playing? You're like, I love them, but I've played them enough. (laughs) You're like, like, it seems like you've played Um, like your matches with Lucas this year. have been amazing, but it seems like you and him have been running into each other a lot this year.
1: We have ran into our, we have ran into each other a lot this year. Um, I still enjoy the matches. I don't know if, He feels the same way all the time, Um, but I do enjoy those matches a lot. Um, They are a great challenge, um, and I do enjoy playing those. Um, It it would be fun to play a tournament without um, probably seeing him, but um, (laughs) they're they're still a blast. So um, I would say that might be the only one I really can say. Um, Everyone else I play just sporadically, it it all depends. Um, I know me and Tyler Flynn usually, uh, when we play all the time, it always goes back and forth. We're kind of like a pink, I uh, always kind of kinda like a tennis match. So like I'll win, he'll win, I'll win, he'll win. So I kind of don't like that right now because I just won the last one. So he's on the docket <laughs> for it. So I hope I don't see him for a little while.
0: Do you? Uh, did Did you indulge his spicy dice or axe trade? <laughs> no, no,
1: no. I, I, I avoid that at all costs. <laughs> I, I told myself, if I was throwing in a marathon league with you, I'll do it anytime with you. But in tournament play, I, I I can't do it in tournament play.
0: Yeah, I uh I haven't got a chance to do it yet, but I'm like I, I'm totally like that. That sounds fun. <laughs> but yeah. that sounds just chaotic.
1: <laughs> it does. I, I like I said, league. I'll do it any time in a league. You, me, in a league and marathon. I'll do it any time. But um, tournament play with um, some money on the line and uh, some bragging rights. Nah, I'll pass.
0: Do you, um uh do you, like have you like you know, how there's like, like kind of playing smart. You're like, okay, like I'm, I'm up three, stay down, just put it out of reach, right. Hit a bowl. Um, versus like, no, like I want to, I like, I, I want to go up even though like I could maybe put it out of reach here or like, do you have, I, I feel like one of the things that like I ran into at the Ohio. Um, but I, again, I went more for fun. I was like the, my primary goal was to have fun. And so I think yeah. at one point I was like up, uh, I think my, like, I think my opponent was like, maybe had like a drop or something. And I was like up by five and I'm like, all right, I could have just thrown, went for bull, put that, put that round out of reach. I'm like, no, I want to go kill. Like I, I came here to have fun. Like I'm going to need to hit him at some point. And so I went up, I missed mine. He hit his, he took the match. Uh, but it was, it was like, it was fun, you know? Um yeah. I still had fun doing it. I, but I don't know if you've ever like dabbled in that or you like <laughs> or if you have the discipline to like I'm going to play resp- well I guess uh you're you're a small business so you're like well I have I have a fiduciary responsibility to my shareholders.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, the shareholder one of me, yeah.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Um so t- typically the way I I try to think through that is um I do use some strategy with it for the most part now I will avoid that strategy if I do make the nine and ten promise. Usually at the end, but um, if I'm pl- uh, if I'm three plus on throw nine, I'm very confident in my bullseye, so I will stay down on nine, so um, that I w- will hit that, and then I can go up on ten if he hits his, so I can close that out. Um, I also believe in the potential. Like if if you're up a lot though, and but you're not far enough. Um, Ahead to where it makes sense to practice a kill. I will stay down the whole time and just pull out. Um, if I have the ability to do that, um, typically that doesn't happen too, too often, but cause usually you're within that three, four range most of the time, um, with anyone. So, um, that and makes then, sense. And, yeah. And then, cause I, I always look at it this way there in tournament play. You can throw three different type of perfects. You can throw a 60 perfect, You can throw a sixty-one perfect, or sixty-two perfect. uh, Let me phrase that: sixty-two perfect, and then a sixty-four perfect. Yeah, it's just all dependent upon the situation.
0: Yeah, like the context of the match.
1: The context of the match. So it's all based upon how things played. So to me, each one of those are equal to each other in a in a tournament setting, in my
0: mind. So do you like when during competition? Do you keep track of your opponent's score in your head?
1: I don't, I, I, I really don't care until nine. Cause that's when I really have to make that call. Okay. That makes sense. So I, I don't pay attention to that until nine comes around. And then I, and then I know that based upon what the circumstances are is like where I only care what I kind of did at that point. I don't really. And then based upon where the circumstance of that match has led, that's where I kind of lead into which one of those three avenues am I going to go down?
0: So Do you um like, will you even like look at, your opponent's acts like when it's in the board, or are you like do you just, like, or do you just tune out the other lane completely?
1: Um, for the most part, I do, but I'll glance over just to see like, okay, okay, they hit it or whatever, or they didn't hit it. Um, other than that, that's pretty much all I'm looking to see real quick. Because um, most of the time, if you watch most of my matches, I'm usually quicker than most of my other opponents for the most part. I mean, there's a few throwers that are a little faster than me, but. I just kind of go in my own rhythm and what I feel comfortable with is what I usually throw. So, um, I know a lot of, some throwers are a lot slower, so, um, and they're comfortable with that. So that's kind of how I kind of approach it.
0: Okay, cool. Um, we're, we're almost an hour in and, you know, I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, I think I have like maybe kind of one more question before we get to like any like, you know, sponsors, shout outs, plugs, anything like that. Um, sure. is there like, uh, is is there anything that like you'd say that, like you've kind of like given up or sacrificed for axe throwing right like oh well you know i used to do this and now i don't really get to do that anymore because of axe throwing or or i had to miss out on this thing i used to do all the time that i really liked but it's like oh there's a tournament that weekend and i can't miss or like i got to go that tournament
1: um not really i tried not to at all like i try to have a good um balance and good time management with me like running projects and stuff like that i've learned how to manage time very very efficiently and well so i um i most of the time with tournaments it's like okay i know i'm going to be away for a thursday through whatever monday um on most of those longer distance tournaments but it's only like once a month or something like that so i i kind of fit my schedule in and around those um when it comes to practice like i was telling you before i i do practice uh very frequently, but I don't go too long because I want to make sure it's, um, it's quality practice. So I try to go anywhere between maybe an hour to an hour and a half, usually max. I on occasion put in like a long session. And the only reason I would do that is to simulate, um, being in a long B bracket. Like for example, say something happened early on and you got knocked on to B real fast and you need the stamina to just match after match, after match, after match. Um, and just to train your body, to be able to handle that kind of circumstances, but I don't do them that frequently. That makes um, sense. and so that, yeah. So that's when you'd put in a longer training session, but I don't, I don't feel like I've sacrificed. I mean, I sacrifice some stuff like, um, maybe going and hanging out with friends a little bit at the bar or something on a Friday night. Instead, instead I'll go practice. But again, I can see that I usually go up and end up meeting them anyways, for an extra uh, I was maybe an hour later than they were because I went in practice so it's nothing really it's nothing really too crazy in my mind
0: have uh, have you ever because I I asked you before we started recording because uh, you're a Steelers fan correct yes uh, have you missed uh, Steelers games because you're like ah I got to throw on Sunday I get, I'm going to miss kickoff <laughs>
1: uh, I have maybe missed kickoff maybe the first quarter but then I usually get into the game from usually the second quarter on um, uh, most of the time, if I uh, with the Steeler game, so um, I don't consider that too too bad. Uh, you just might miss that. I might miss that first quarter, first couple drives. Okay. Um, I usually try to get back in time because uh, the venue who I throw at um, they usually open on Sundays at noon. So if I get there at noon, I get my hour in or so. I can get back, not missing too much of the game. So, like I said, it's all about balance and quality and things like that for sure because most of the time i'm just practicing to stay sharp and 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 consistent and 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 keeping my routine um consistent that's kind of that's kind of my mindset with it it's not it's not always about the volume it's it's the consistency and the quality of the throws
0: yeah when i when i did jujitsu is the same way it's like have to go twice a week just to maintain right and it's like if i go like three like i feel like rapid growth happened at like three plus practice sessions a week one is kind of like all right i'm just like staving off apathy or not or uh, atrophy but i'm not like i'm not improving i'm just kind of i'm barely maintaining and then obviously zero it just falls apart
1: <laughs> yeah it com- yeah it completely it completely breaks down and and i've always done that with my with plant sports my whole life and i always like to just also still like weight train and lift so i i usually try to do that like four or five days a week too. So like to me it's the same kind of principle. So the more consistent you can stay with that, the 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 easier it is.
0: Do you uh do you have any axe throwing specific uh exercises? No, no. I just I just do your normal uh workouts
1: and all the different body parts. So you'll do push pull leg kind of thing, kind of split sets and all those kind of things. So um I just try to use them to also help keep me being able to last longer for axe throwing as well Um, because I, I think being in uh good shape with that helps uh, especially muscle uh especially tr- uh, strength training
0: for sure do you um, how many hours a week do you think you put into like axe throwing like counting like commuting time like maybe not for tournaments right tournaments are like an anomaly but like just like on a regular week
1: um so probably 15 16 hours a week
0: like a part-time job like a part-time job
1: yeah 15 16 hours a week maybe up to 20 depending on the week somewhere in that range probably i'd say yeah that's probably a good range 15 to 20
0: yeah that makes sense cool um i think that's uh everything that i had uh we'll get to i don't know if there's anything you wanted to talk about or if anything we missed uh before we get to like kind of plugs and shout outs or anything like that
1: no i think uh, i think we covered a lot of uh Fun, interesting topics. And like I said, I could talk to you about all these different things all day, including accounting, if we wanted to go back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I wanted to be a a cost accountant. Like, I I love, like, how, all right, how much electricity should we allocate for the power tools to run the saw? Like, but, all
1: right. Um, (laughs) That was actually my favorite class in in school, to be honest. Managerial accounting was the best. I loved everything about managerial accounting.
0: It was was cool. my, My project for my associate was like, you have to build something and try like you have to you know the raw materials is easy but like elect like yeah. how, how do i allocate utilities uh so i build a cornhole set and measure and like okay the lumber was this the nails were this the gas to drive the truck to the store was this
1: yep and and then they all go into the unit
0: cost yep yep cool so uh i guess uh who, who do you want to kind of plug give a shout out to any who sp- who's your sponsors
1: yeah, I want I want to make a shout out to all my sponsors. Um so I want to first my first sponsor is Boulevard Glass. So they're a glass company, a small glass company here in Pittsburgh. Um they sponsored me um which I I greatly appreciate. I think they also do some bathroom glass installs as well. Uh so if you're in the market for any of that, um they could be a good company to see um i mentioned them earlier but uh los hot which is a smaller local venue here uh, they also help uh, out with our legends team as well because i'm on team legends that might have been another thing i should have probably mentioned earlier so the melee team for uh waddle um so team legends um also sponsored by uh los hot as well as myself so um they've been a great little local venue and they've been doing some really great stuff with the community and um doing some youth leagues and stuff like that too because uh uh two of the i believe it's two of the owners or one of the owners is a as a school teacher so he's trying to get all the kids involved in it and give them some uh extracurricular activity outside of the classroom and stuff like that to do so they've been uh hosting like youth leagues and stuff like that and i've uh gone up there and um talked to those uh kids about it and trying to help them with their throws and stuff like that so it's been kind of fun
0: i got to play liam at throw ohio it was cool like yeah he he hit more kills than i did <laughs> I know they're all, they're, they're, they're all showing up
1: on, in these leagues and stuff like that. Like I got a good story up there with those Hotchess real quick. And, um, their top thrower for the youth league, I think is one of the owners kids. And he's like, Hey, do you want to throw a match with me? And I was like, sure, let's throw a match. So I'm just like watching his throw to Like give him pointers and stuff. And I'm just, I'm just like just throwing and I'm just throwing. And the kids are keeping score, like handwritten scores on the little, uh, paper copy off to the side of the little, uh, the race whiteboard thing. And, um, we get to throw, uh, throw nine. I go up for kill. I'm like, okay, because I'm gonna just use it for my practice anyways. I'll throw kill. I hit it or whatever. And I'm watching him, and he stayed down through. I think he threw a five or something. And it was throw ten. It's like, hey, you want to go up kill with me? Like, we'll, we'll make fun. We'll have fun with it. And it's like, sure, let's do it. So we hit it, um, and or we tapped axes and we both throw. And he hits it. I hit it. You just see this giant smile on his face, like it was super cool and everything like that. And we were excited. And then then the kids turned to me and they said guess what? He just 64'd you. And I wasn't even paying attention to it at all. Uh, but the smile on the kid's face made it completely re- rewarding anyways. And I, I wasn't even trying to throw a 64. I was just, I was just throwing.
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: So it was fun. Um, my next one is uh Coker's janitorial supply company. Um, so they're a janitorial supply company um, here in Pittsburgh too, as well. Um, so they, uh, they provide uh, different uh, janitorial supplies and, glass cleaning, all those stuff to the uh, Pittsburgh region. So they're another uh, sponsor. So if you're in the market for any of that kind of materials, can liners, cleaning supplies, all that stuff, they'd be perfect to help you out. And then um, SBS contractors, uh, their construction company uh, who has sponsored me as well. So I want to give them a big shout out and thank you as well. And um, they're more of a specialty contractor. So I don't know if they will be useful for anyone for the most part in the uh, residential industry they're more commercial related and um things like that so
0: that's awesome cool uh i i thought of something while you were talking i was like uh i feel like uh you know being a u.s open champion uh and being a steelers fan i bet you could work something where you're like (laughs) uh, maybe you could even go in and be a consultant about you know performing under like hey uh, here's what I think about making high pressure throws. Like, so third and third and ten is kind of like you know I need to hit this kill to win.
1: <laughs> it it is. It, it, it's a very similar situation. The only difference is is I only have a few hundred people most of the time watching me versus them having a million people watching them or at least in the stadium seventy thousand people. So, um, but yes, it's uh, it, I think they feel like very similar situations and um. At the end of the day, I mean, it's just it's fun and it's a game and I'm I'm, I'm blessed that I get a chance to do it. And uh, my family support me and then, of course, God and everything like that. So I've been so fortunate to have the ability to find axe throwing and been able to do it and everything like that. So to me, even if I miss the kill, it's still I get a chance to do it the next time. So
0: for sure. And uh, and you don't have athletes the likes of T.J. Watt, you know, trying to tackle you while you're making the throw. Correct. <laughs> yeah,
1: J- just I just have Lucas Johnson on the opposite tra- side hitting those kill shots, or uh, Mike Philibon uh, throwing uh, up in Titan Town, where I-, I thought his performance was unbelievable. He threw um, three straight sixty fours on me, and almost threw a fourth one.
0: That's uh, it's like yeah. incomprehensible to my brain.
1: <laughs> yeah, and he had a fourth one right before that. So like before he came, his match, his semifinal A match, right before that, he threw another sixty four, and and it wasn't like I was throwing terrible either because i threw two sixty twos of 56 because i missed the one last kill and then the last one okay I'm I mean, that i fell apart a little bit because i barely missed my kill on nine and i threw my last one just not even caring because i thought he was going to 64 me again <laughs> so uh, i thought i was going to just get dropped by uh, four straight 64s but he was throwing fire that moment so um so that's i guess my tj watt uh <laughs> equivalent <stuff.
0: laughs> yeah that's uh that's a good comparison, Just, yeah. You know, minus the you know the contact sport, so cool. Minus, yeah, minus the physical pain. <laughs> yeah, so cool. Well, Mark, it's been a pleasure getting to talk to you. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it.
1: You too, Bill. Thank you.
0: Appreciate it. Cool. Have a good one.
1: Adios. Right. You too. Bye.